travelers in this world and a traveler conducts himself in a different way compared to somebody who is not a traveler one person is on a journey so he takes those kinds of provisions which will suffice for him on the journey if he can help it he'll make himself a bit comfortable on the journey but it is very different to somebody who is stationed at home in this dunya nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam gives us the direction that conduct yourself as a traveler kun fi dunya ka annaka gharib aw abiru sabil aw kama qala an-nabiy sallallahu alaihi wasallam allah's nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that be in this world like a stranger stranger a person who is not at home he is in some strange place he has gone overseas somewhere so that place is not his home he is a stranger there so being a stranger there he is not too concerned about making that his abode or to try and acquire every comfort there or to worry about all the minor things in terms of his living there he carries on with whatever will just make do if he can afford to be a little bit more comfortable fine he'll make himself a bit more comfortable but most of the things he just bypasses it overlooks it because he's going to move on from here very soon one day two days one week and then he's on nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says be in the dunya like a stranger but then he says no no hold on not like a stranger something beyond that aw abiru sabil rather like somebody who is on the road there's two types of musafir person who is a musafir for example in terms of the masala of salah then a person who is a musafir in terms of sharia then he will perform qasr salah so for example zuhr will become half he'll perform two rakats sometimes people misunderstand they think that namaz salah during the week or for a musafir salah for a musafir is half and during the weekend is maf whereas this is there's no such thing salah is something that is compulsory for us whether we are at home whether we are on a journey whether we are healthy whether we are sick whether it is weekend whether it is weekday whether it is holiday salah is never maf rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
was on his last moments towards the tail end of his life and he is losing consciousness he becomes unconscious then as soon as he regains consciousness the first question he asks is that has the salah been performed yet so the sahaba explained no whoever was there they explained that the sahaba is still waiting for you he says bring some water I want to make ghusl because he had lost consciousness he makes a ghusl and now he wants to go to the masjid to perform the salah but the exertion is too much and he loses consciousness again again after some time he regains consciousness he's so weak that he's falling unconscious now for the second time he asks the same question immediately upon regaining consciousness that has the salah been completed performed already say no he says let me make ghusl again he makes ghusl for the second time and unfortunately again before he can go to the masjid he loses consciousness again this happens for the third time by that time he is now very weak and now eventually he says okay instruct Abu Bakr radiallahu an to lead the salah and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then performs salah with those who were present with him to attend to him he makes salah in his home in his room but in this stage of his life when he is so weak he is losing consciousness and regaining consciousness then too he is trying to make his salah with jama'ah this is what we should be encouraging the males at home that this is how important salah with jama'ah is for males that they should be making the salah in the masjid with jama'ah and then for the females while there is no jama'ah for them that is sunnah but what is required is that that salah is performed on time and preferably in the beginning of the time as soon as the time has come in then everything else stops this is very important so that we give that due importance to salah we are showing to Allah Ta'ala that I am very concerned about my about your command I am not taking it as a burden something that just has to be done in the last moment when there is now no time left to just rush it through that is like showing some secondary importance to it no as soon as the time has come then everything stops and the first focus is towards salah that I go to perform my salah and do it correctly and do it with care with concentration without rushing it so we diverted from the topic we were talking about that in this world we are travelers so the example Rasulullah is giving is a traveler that don't one is a musafir so the musafir who is now gone to Makashari for example the person is going to be there for two weeks so he's not traveling anywhere the only traveling that he's going to do is from his room to the Haram Sharif maybe so he's going to walk from his room and nowadays everybody wants to be almost living in the Mataf so they barely walk well okay there's a slight distance but it's a walking distance so now the person his bulk of his traveling is just that for the next two weeks but it's 14 days it's less than 15 days so he's a musafir so because he is a musafir he will now make qasr if supposing he's not performing for any reason or a lady is performing the salah in her room so she will now make qasr so that's also a musafir so one musafir is a person who is stationed in one place but it is less than the specified number of days so that person is a musafir 
Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is saying, no, no, we're not talking about that Musafir. We're talking about that Musafir who is on the road. He's still en route on the journey. A person has to travel from Durban to Johannesburg. So he also stops sometimes, halfway, stops at some garage, stops at some little place where he can sit down and eat, can rest a little while. So that person is also a Musafir. But there's a world of difference between this person who's on the road and that Musafir who is now stationed for even a couple of days, two days, three days in one place. That person who's stationed two, three days, he's still looking for a better hotel to stay in if he can afford it. He's still looking for a better bed to sleep on. He's still looking for hot meals. But a person who is on the road, then he is not concerned about any bed. <coughs> he's even eating cold food. He's even not concerned about what really, what comforts he can try and acquire. He's on the road. So fine, he'll do with whatever he can. Now this is the example that Rasulullah is giving that make dunya a place of journey. So obviously this journey is going to take a few days but don't make it an abode. Don't focus on dunya as if this is the be all and end all. Your life is moving ahead. How many people didn't see the end of their aspirations of the world? They didn't even see the beginning of it. And they left. They were gone. How many people had big, big degrees that they acquired after a lot of effort? Before they could start a job, before they could even get into any work situation, they were gone. Now they worked so hard to get that degree. Provided it was within the limits of Shariat, then there was no harm in it. If it was done well within the bounds of Shariat. Now man has to earn for his family, he has to earn a living. So this is something for him. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu had distributed the duties between Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. He said to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, your duties are all the things outside the house. And Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, all the duties that pertain to inside the house, this is yours. Many a times people bring up this mas'ala, this issue, that if the wife is the wife responsible to cook for the husband mashallah some people learn a lot of maslas so some woman it seems like from all the maslas there's several tens of thousands of masail then among those tens of thousands of masail this one masla they learnt very well but then they pose it as a question now they already know the masla from somewhere but they pose it as a question so that they can then then flash that question around and the answer with it so the question is is it compulsory for a woman to cook for the husband so there's a way of answering every question some questions are a straight yes and no some questions are not a straightforward yes and no it needs to be looked at in a broader context if that question is going to be asked on a yes and no, if the husband asks, am I responsible for the medical treatment of my, of my wife? So the same answer that applies to the first question answers to the second. Applies to the second. And like that, there will be several other questions that will go in a similar manner. That the husband 
technically is not responsible for many things of the wife and the wife technically is not responsible for many things of the husband but if we go on these technicalities we'll have a very technical marriage and then all the time you'll need technicians to keep coming and fixing it up because that what happens to a technical marriage because when something is on all these technicalities then someday this thing is breaking someday that thing is not working someday this thing is malfunctioning so you need a technician all the time to come and keep fixing this technical marriage and then sometimes it impacts up because all technical so one is something which is the law so the law is for a formal relationship that this is how it must work now there's a law now there's a relationship between for example the government and its citizens you don't know who they are they're sitting doing their own things in parliament you got no contact with them but there's a relationship because you're the citizen so there's a law now governing this relationship they'll make the law and you got to abide by it you don't abide by it they'll come down with a fine on you they'll come down with some uh punishment on you there's a law between many many like the employer and the employee there are rules that govern that so now there isn't any informality here there's a formal relationship you do this like this this is a reward you don't do it like this we'll cut your salary marriage this is a complete diversion from the topic but in any case allah taala is putting this forward whatever comes in the heart and mind may allah taala put khair and barakat in it and make it a means of benefit so in any case marriage is not a technical and a formal relationship marriage is something beyond formalities it's an informal relationship between two people who have become one their hearts and minds must become one so now when they are one then it is not now what is my duty and what is yours then it is beyond that then it is what can i do for you one is formalities so the employee he is looking at the watch what time it is he says now chill escati now i'm going he says there's a little bit more to do he says that's yours that's not mine you worry about your work my time is up and the employee went a little bit out of his way sometimes to do the work the employer sometimes notices it he says well that's up to him i didn't ask him to do it he didn't want to do it it's up to him if he's somebody who has that akhlaq he'll obviously take notice of it he'll go out of his way to also uh compensate him for something but otherwise he didn't ask for it to be done the extra work it's up to him so that's in a formal relationship but marriage nikah is something beyond that then somebody doesn't ask what is my duty and what is his duty and that is what builds that bond of marriage and nikah when a person is not looking at what is my duty but is looking at what can i do to enhance this in every way and this is what then builds that bond and takes it beyond just that formality So Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam also apportioned these duties not on the basis of the mas'ala 
But on the basis of this is beyond formalities. This is beyond technicalities. That Fatima radiallahu she will do everything indoors. And indoors will include the cooking and include everything. And therefore one day she came to Rasulullah and she came to put forward a request for some slave, for some servant. Why? Because she has to do the cooking. And cooking what? Not on that electric press button stove where it's on an open fire and that open fire also is not some bride that's taking place it's now those sticks and pieces of wood which will give off a lot of smoke and all the smoke on a daily basis and then this is obviously a very difficult chore on top of that not just some bread you buy off the shop she has to grind the flour to make the bread and who is this? the queen of Jannat and together with that she has to do the sweeping no maid you know you carry on so when she came to Rasulullah to request for the servant Nabi didn't say hey why are you cooking not your job Ali must bring the food for you and it even asked Ali that you making a cook no no this is how it works indoors is your duty whatever the masla is in its place but this is something beyond that you handle what's inside inside the house that's your responsibility and this shows us the mizaj of shariat one is the hudud the limits of sharia and the mizaj of sharia is that indoors you will take care of whatever it is the wife outdoors is not your job outdoors you don't you don't venture outdoors outdoors the husband's duty Unfortunately, this is the Western lifestyle and the Western concept that every woman must be a man. There is no equality. They just want the woman to be the man also. So that she must have a double burden. At the end of the day, she will have to bear the children, obviously. She must take care of the children and she must also have a career, big inverted commas. Why? because she must have a double job in life and the husband must have one job there will be just those pretenses this so called equality of genders is just only words and a deception and just something to just make themselves happy with which in reality they know also doesn't exist and that is just the prescription to make every system in society break down now in a home they say no it's equality so now this home was run without any head because there's two heads now can you have two heads in one body now this home has to run like one body but one body can have one head if there's two heads on one body everybody will get frightened and run away if there's two captains in one ship that is going to definitely sink and if there's two captains in one plane is going to crash somewhere there's a pilot there's a co-pilot He's second. He's not first. He's not on equal footing. There's a pilot. He's the captain. He'll make the decision. Something went haywire. He can't make the decision. The co-pilot will take over. But there's a captain in place. In the home, Allah Ta'ala has apportioned the duties in that manner. That walirrijali alayhinna daraja. Allah Ta'ala has given that responsibility to men to take care of the woman in their lives their wives, their daughters 
and sometimes a responsibility may come on them to take care of their mothers, of their sisters, those responsibilities could come. So they are responsible for that. And we need to adopt this mizaj of Shariat, to think the way Shariat wants us to think, not to get washed away by the Western lifestyle. Nowadays, this Western lifestyle and this Western thinking has swept through to such a point that when you present the Islamic manner of thinking, that this higher education, there is no such thing as that this is a must for a woman. Unfortunately, the way, the things that then get presented for substantiation, that why this is necessary. See, why is necessary? So they dig out the worst negative thoughts that tomorrow what happens if she gets divorced now we are starting off planning for a divorce so now that career has to be for the sake of this negative thoughts these are not things to be discussed on a public forum but this is just coming to mind now one place one person told me this is all just now I am just saying it on the side for understanding there is a lot of explanation and detail that is required in this but this was to understand this is not a rule but if I understand that these kind these are the things that we use as a basis one person is working somewhere and there are several women working in that place as well all are highly qualified because he is working in a very in a corporate environment there are several Muslim women he's talking about obviously several Muslim women there's about many he said all are very highly qualified big big degrees beyond postgraduate and more than half of them are unfortunately they can't get a husband or got divorced and in many cases they themselves admitted that that career became one of the biggest thorns in the marriage not that it's a single issue it's not one straight line that you can just make one ruling on there's a complication of so many things that come together but this person says that they are admitting that many of them that their careers became one of the major thorns in their marriages and eventually led to the breakdown now this is not some general uh, ruling we are making we are talking about a real fact where one person has first hand as we say heard it from the horse's mouth Allah Ta'ala has given us a way of life the West will make it look like something that is far backward and something that cannot work but Allah Ta'ala did not create or provide a way of life that cannot work otherwise na'uzubillah na'uzubillah we'll have to say that na'uzubillah Allah Ta'ala wasn't aware that in the 20th century the situation will be different so therefore the way of life Allah Ta'ala is presenting and Nabi Wasallam was bestowed with this way of life na'uzubillah summa na'uzubillah Allah Ta'ala made a mistake this is what it tantamounts to when a person says now this didn't apply doesn't apply to this time and age it was for the time when the sahaba were there this is a very different life we are leading now. What Allah Ta'ala has given is for all times. And till Qiyamah this will be the only way of success. And a person tries anything else, 
that is going to be doomed to failure just to understand it in a little bit of a more broader way when the sahabai kiram after Rasulullah departed from this world they came to Hazrat Abu Bakr and they suggested that look the army of Hazrat Usama bin Zaid presently the force of the Muslims the force of their or their might in terms of power physical power their army, their strength is all in this army of Usama now this army was already prepared by Rasulullah in his lifetime but before he could dispatch them to go and fight against the Romans Nabi left the world he had already given the instruction for this army to get ready but before they could actually leave Nabi left from this dunya so they were still now there and then there were many challenges that immediately cropped up and everybody was now looking at the at Madinah Manawara with very devious eyes all the enemies there were some from the Bedouins far away from Madinah they had Nauzubillah some refused to give zakat anymore some Nauzubillah reneged they went out of the fold of Islam the Bedouin tribes and then the enemy was already looking that this is the time now and all these people were afraid the Sahaba, senior Sahaba they were now in two minds they said no, this is not the time now for this army to leave if suddenly Madinah Munawara is attacked then we will be in major problem because this is our strength and if this army leaves then what? so rather now just hold back this army Abu Bakr when many of the very senior Sahaba to the extent of Hazrat Umar also came and gave the same view Abu Bakr became a little annoyed and then he said I will never ever hold this army back Nabi Wasallam had appointed Hazrat Usama to take this army and go I will send it out and then he said something which to just give the crux of it he says even if all our homes are destroyed by the enemy they come in and our families are destroyed also I will not hold this army back if Medina is left unprotected and this army can come and pounce on us the enemy and they destroy all of us who are in Medina Munawara then too I will not hold the army of Usama bin Zaid Nano back now he had this resolve why? because this was Nabi Wasallam's command that this army must go so he was 100% convinced beyond anybody else and everybody else that what Nabi Wasallam has commanded there can only be success in it no matter what the odds may seem whatever the challenges may be there whatever the society may feel all the sahaba are feeling that look hold this army back he said whatever the society can feel though that was not something that they were saying which was out of the line of sharia it was something which the khalifa could have used his discretion on that but what the society is saying what the people are saying what the challenges may be what the odds may be but Abu Bakr had one thing in front of him what Nabi Wasallam has commanded there can only be success in it so eventually he says look if nobody goes I'll go myself so then Umar said to him no 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 Shim Seifak you put your sword back in its sheath and 
we are also now convinced about what you are saying. Our hearts have also all opened out now to that view that you have been putting forward. We also now agree that yes, this is the way. Let the army go. So eventually Hazrat Abu Bakr now dispatched that army. When that army was dispatched and that message now got around that this army of such a big number of Sahaba and they are gone now to go and face the Romans that they have so much of strength and courage so the tribes that were around they immediately got completely overawed these people are still so firm and so strong that they can go and look directly eye to eye to the Romans and challenge them so who are we? they'll just take us in one go so rather we just sit quietly, don't do anything. As soon as this army left, all these people who were having sinister intentions, who had some devious motives, they all became overawed and they quietly sat down. And everybody, everything came in, into check. Those who had refused to give zakat, they also came in line. They said, no, fine, we back fully. Those who had reneged, they also came back. Those who had refused to come back were dealt with. So all this came right when? When this army left. And what was this? This was the command of Rasulullah And though the challenges were so many, the odds were looking tremendous. It seemed like we can never ever succeed if we do send this army out. The army left and everything came right. Why? Because the barakat of the command of Rasulullah was in that. This is the lesson we learn Outwardly, all the challenges seem daunting. All the odds seem against us. The whole view of society seems totally opposite to what we want to move forward towards, the deen of Allah Ta'ala. We want to do things the way Allah Ta'ala has commanded. But all the challenges seem against us, all the odds seem against us. People seem to have a totally different view. Sometimes it might be those in our immediate family, sometimes in our extended family, sometimes in society everybody is flowing in a different direction and we are to be now we are understanding this is our direction, that's not our direction our direction is different what the Quran and Sunnah have taught us is, is something else, not what society is up to so now, what does a person do? yes, initially there is a test but when a person stays firm on that test, like Abu Bakr to the point he said I'll go alone Allah Ta'ala then opened the hearts of others. He was ready to take on the challenge. Then Allah Ta'ala opened the hearts of the others. And then he got the full support. And then everything just, just fell in place. And what seemed impossible, that became more than possible in very quick time. So what the lesson of all this is? The first thing of this lesson is, that to understand and realize that success is only in the way of Rasulullah One is the success of Akhirat, that is obvious. Even the success of dunya is only in the way of Rasulullah There is no other way. It is only in this way. Then together with that, that one will have to remain firm. Abu Bakr is one man out now. And everybody else is saying something on a different note. And what they were saying wasn't impermissible. But it wasn't the higher level. 
Now can we imagine our situation where people are telling us to do something impermissible. Society is taking us in a line which is wrong. Then we go to stay firm on what is right. But with respect. With respect, especially if it is our parents for that matter. And we will not compromise respect. But we will stay firm on what is the truth. In a very respectful way, in a polite way, in a humble way, we will stay firm on what is the correct thing. This, these are things that we need to highlight. We need to be very clear about this. With humility, with respect, in a polite manner. But we'll stay firm on what is the truth. We'll stay firm on what is right. We will not argue with anybody, our parents, especially we're talking about seniors in the family. We will not get into any debate with them because a debate will start getting rowdy. It will lead to back answering. It will lead to disrespect. No. We will turn our attention to Allah Ta'ala and we will remain firm. Then, if somebody is still insistent and if somebody is laughing at us, if somebody is saying something else, then we will also in our hearts, in our hearts, not in front of anybody, we will Remember the words of Hazrat Huzaifa bin Yaman radiallahu ta'ala an in the Roman court Aatruku sunnata habibi liha ulail humaqa Will I leave the way of my Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for these fools not that we regard ourselves as better than anybody but something that is wrong is foolish maybe the person himself might not be somebody that's that we better than him because he might have other qualities that are better than us but we won't submit to that which is wrong in deen. So there will be a period that we'll have to remain firm. But when we remain firm, Allah Ta'ala will use us as the means for thousands of others also to come onto the path. Sometimes previously we discussed this in passing. I remember very clearly the time when perhaps in the whole of South Africa, in the whole of South Africa, Perhaps there were less than a few dozen. Less than a few dozen. Maybe you could count them on the fingers of one hand. The number of women that adopted Parda. That was already in my lifetime. I saw it. We are not talking about great grandfather's time. So we are talking about 35 odd years ago. 30 years ago. 30-35 years ago you could probably count maybe if South Africa is a very big place, then in Durban. Durban is also not small in any case. The number of women that adopted complete niqab and hijab in the true sense of the word, you could count them on the fingers of one hand 30 35 years ago. And then Allah Ta'ala gave the tawfiq to some people, and on a pioneering level in Durban, if I can remember, was this madrasa that you are sitting in. Hazrat Muhammad Yunus Allah Ta'ala fill his qabar with noor and elevate his stages he got this rolling that there were those some of those who had come started off studying in Madrasatul Salihat in its very initial stages when it was in one home in Overport at that time that became the starting point for many but those who started it off had to hear many, maybe many comments. Others also had started probably in other places, but this was also one of the pioneering places. 
and they had to hear many things too from their own families, from others and people would call them ninjas which I came to know later on why but they withstood it but can somebody today think about it as that, that challenge of that time now it has become so simple some still find it a big challenge but for anybody who wants to do it it's very simple because wherever they go there are others doing it so they are not now the odd one out but there was a time when those who were adopting this niqab were the odd ones out but they had to remain firm they remained firm they became the means of others getting encouraged and as a result they are today reaping the reward and the thawab of all those who came later but they got the courage out of this foundation that was laid so the point is that challenges will come this is dunya we should not ask for the challenges we should ask for afiyat and beg Allah Ta'ala safety from all challenges but sometimes it comes that's a time to remain steadfast and remain firm and Allah Ta'ala then opens a way and Allah Ta'ala uses such people who remain steadfast to turn the tide like Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala Allah ta'ala used him to turn the tide of the fitnas of that time and the irtidad and whatever else and every zamana and every era those who remain steadfast Allah ta'ala used them to turn the tide all the pieces of grass and dirt all this flows with the tide and the lion swims against the tide so Allah ta'ala has made you lions don't go and roar at anybody please but lions in the sense that a firm resolve to stay firm on deen otherwise just now tomorrow I'll get a lot of complaints that there's only roaring taking, taking place in the home and it's because you said something so please that's not what the meaning is lion at heart in terms of the firm resolve not to just get carried away with whatever is being said whatever is being done in society how people are conducting their lives what they are wearing what they are doing where they are going no we are people of Iman and people of Iman they are firm on their beliefs and firm in their way may Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us a tawfiq keep us steadfast on deen Allah ta'ala use one and all especially those who are in these institutions Allah ta'ala use them for the hidayat of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions inshallah by using their steadfastness in deen to become the means of others also following the path of haq and truth may allah ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik jazallahu anna nabiyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bima huwa ahlu ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين